Are you tired and weary? Are you sick of being told what to do? Are you unhappy in your relationships? We don't really care. This is Sunny Hollywood Poonie from the Growing Up Rock Podcast and Podcast Rock City, and you are listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Time to get hooked. Everybody, it's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Tonight's the night. It, this is being recorded on election night, and if it's any indication of how I want to spend my evening, I'm actually recording a podcast on election night. So, you know, whether or not I watch the TV and my eyes are glued, there's going to be a result sooner or later. So, I'd rather just not be hostage to what television channel or what news outlet is broadcasting and giving their analysis, telling us all what to think. And I'll read about it tomorrow. You know, I, I, I don't want to get caught right. up in it and, and, uh, and be all tuned in and hostage to what they're saying to me. So let's talk some rock and roll. And I got a great guest tonight. Right on it. I got Bo from rock savages podcast. What's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, man, what's happening? I happened to be, I was watching the live stream podcast of, uh, you know, I, I go, I jump back and forth between two, I don't want to get too political, but I jump between both sides and see what's going on, but there's a bunch of podcasts on doing the live thing tonight, so if anybody is tired of the mainstream, just go over there and check out some live podcasts, that, you know, the broadcast, and good old Joe Rogan's on doing a live, live thing tonight, so I'm sure that'll be interesting. Yeah, no, I do find, you know, political conversation entertaining and I do also find, you know, some, you know, of it informative. It's just I just think I'm I'm worn down, you know? I mean, yeah. it's been Yeah, you were. You know, since the beginning of the year, you've got the pandemic, you've got, you know, social, you know, uprising in cities, you've got protests and riots and all this stuff going on and I'm just tired, yeah, man. It's, I'm tired. It's It's a drag, man. Me too, and I think everybody else kind of feels that way too especially in the uh, music realm because we're all so beat up over it you know so yeah you're right man let's get into it for sure <laughs> well we always start the same way every time we have a new guest and that is the essence of the show just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in every rock band has a moment whether it's a song an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll what was it for you Hooked me on rock and roll. Well, I, I I remember being obsessed when I was like five years old. I was you know I was the ten year old. I'm I'm 43, so you know I was 10 in 1987. So I I still have the Motley Crue records and the White Snake records that I was that I bought back then. It was uh, mainly I think it was my older brother kind of listening to that stuff, and I was intrigued immediately. And uh, you know, after getting those uh, Motley Crue records, I was like, oh. Yeah, this is going to be a thing for me. And, uh, you know, I, that, that was the previous generation's music that was engulfing me at the time. Um, but, 
I guess, you know, the grunge era came in in the late 80s and early 90s, and that, that was kind of, I adopted that as mine, as, as as well as a lot of other kids my age. So then I was hooked, man, you know, uh, started playing drums, got into rock and roll bands in high school. And uh, my co-host is actually a longtime friend. You know, we've been friends for over 25 years, started playing music together, cut our teeth on the local music scene in Cleveland, Akron, Columbus, you know, a regional area. And uh, we've been friends ever since. Started the Rock Savages podcast in 2016 to help promote, you know, the unsigned world that we were in and have since gone on to promote rock and roll artists of all sizes and shapes, you know. So um, we've had some pretty big guests on, just like you. Uh, we seem to be kindred spirits in that in that realm, man. So I'm excited to strike up this new friendship, and uh, hopefully we can all blossom together and keep rock and roll in the forefront of people's minds, you know? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I appreciate those sentiments because I agree. You know, I mean, there's – a few podcasts out there that you know don't want to be part of the family of rock and roll and music and i believe hey man you know are we really competing against each other or are we trying to get people interested in rock and roll again and i think it's the latter and i think it's all hands on deck and we can you know complain about this podcast or complain about that journalist or whatever but hey if people are promoting the music what's really the problem you know, like what, what right. are we really getting at? So I like having, you know, guys from different podcasts on. I had the Talking Maiden guys on. I had the podcast, the guys from Metallica, Clint Wells, and um, he was on the podcast, of you know, several months ago. So I like doing that. It's always a, a good way to hear different perspectives and, and uh, you know, just hear a different viewpoint and what's on people's minds in terms of rock and roll because we cover that a lot on this podcast. The state of rock and roll, where is it going, the relevancy, all that stuff. Right. We do too. Uh, and you know, I kind of took the idea, you know, from the comedians in LA, I mean, they were, they just all started podcasts and they blew up their scene, you know, with the help of, uh, you know, uh, the aforementioned Joe Rogan and all those guys. And they did the same thing. They were, they just started jumping on each other's podcasts and, uh, why not do it too? I would much rather support anybody who supports rock and roll you know, and jump on their podcast and have you guys jump on ours all the time. That's how it grows. That's how the audience grows. That's how the interest grows. And that's how these guys got stand-up comedy as big as it is now, basically by podcasting and doing live shows. So rock and roll artists are doing the same hustle that the comedians are. They're playing the same size venues. They're doing the same thing. They're selling merch, you know, they're making records and you know, they're all helping each other. So there's no reason why the rock and roll community can't do the same thing, you know? So that's kind of the philosophy behind that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, plus, you know, it's always cool talking rock music. I was always one of those kids back in the day, you know, from junior high to high school into my twenties. And now even as an adult, I love having a couple beers, talking about rock music, talking about bands that we like and what we like to listen to. I find it fascinating. I just, I love hearing people's rock and roll journey and their story, you know, like what makes them tick, what happened, you know, what was the first moment they heard a rock song that, that just, you know, made them a rock fan. I, I, Cause everyone's different. You know, some stories are similar, but they're, it's like fingerprints. Everyone's got a unique story. Everyone's got a unique fingerprint. And I just love hearing all that stuff. 
yeah, me too. I'm, I'm exactly in the same boat. I mean, and it kind of goes with everything. I, I, I think rock and roll fans are just by and large, very passionate people, you know, and that's infectious, you know, in, in a way being around passionate people. And I'm kind of, I like having conversations with people that are into what they're doing. You know, I think that's really important and it's really interesting when they're passionate about it. So that can obviously be applied to rock and roll. It's, it's becoming more, it, at least it seems like it's becoming more in, in the underground. It's, you know, maybe that's where it kind of should be, you know, sometimes I, I kind of feel that way sometimes. So that's where all the people that really care about it are. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you're right. It, it, it's super fascinating. And, uh, you're, you're also right about everybody has a different story and that's, uh, it's like a, it's like a family almost, you know, that's how it feels. Yeah, absolutely. What was the defining moment? I mean, you talked about those Motley Crue records and White Snake. Was there like something that happened that made you go out and get that stuff and listen to that music? Well, I think, again, it was my, my older brother's music and when he was in his high school years. And I think it was MTV, man. I mean, that kind of really captured my young mind and heart and imagination. And, you know, it was like the, the Wild Side video from the Girls, Girls, Girls record. I was like 10 years old when that came out. And, that, you know, that was mind-blowing. I'm like, I, you know, because, you know, Tom Lee's doing the upside-down drum solo in it. And, uh you know, that was mind blowing in 1987. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to play drums. And so that kind of sparked it off and I, I never let go of it until I started doing it and I've been doing it ever since. So I think that was a pretty pivotal moment for me right, right there. It was the MTV era, you know? Yeah, that was a huge, huge impact. I mean, it started then when radio started to follow. Radio was always that big presence you know, through 60s, 70s, and then into the 80s, and then all of a sudden MTV blew up, and then radio started to play what MTV was playing. And I don't know if radio ever caught up to being, I mean, it's still relevant, but I don't know if it ever, the impact of radio ever came back after that in the 80s. Right. Yeah, it changed the game for sure. You know, I have mixed feelings about radio now because it's such a different world than it was back then. And, you know, it's like, I think something like four or six media companies own everything. You know, they own all the radio stations and they own all the movie, uh, you know, studios and they own all the media and everything. And it's just like, it's kind of, you know, radios, it's selling itself short because there's so much music out there and they just keep playing the same 10 songs over and over again. And I, I think it's great that the internet in that sense has kind of exposed a lot of other rock and roll out there. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, the people that say there's no good music anymore, it's like, do you even really care about it then? Because there's tons of, there's tons of bands, there's tons of artists out there that are fantastic and that need your attention and they're not on the mainstream radio station. So, uh, you know, that, you know, on, you, I'm from the Cleveland area and, you know, WMS was a super influential radio station back in the day. And I think there's a, there's a nostalgia behind that. We're hoping that maybe someday, you know, corporate rock radio will come back to that kind of glory day kind of thing. It'd be nice, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I think everybody's kind of moved on, you know, from the radio thing that, that is interested in good newer music. That's not getting attention, you know? Yeah. I don't know if radio outside of college radio is really going to break any bands 
anymore. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's really possible to break a rock band anymore. I think it's all got to be, you know, done by themselves. I think it's they got to get out there. They got to pound the pavement. They got to get the subscribers. They got to get the listens, the follows. It's I mean, I don't know unless some big band takes a a younger band out on tour with them and they completely blow up. I mean, you can say the struts, you could say Greta Van Fleet, but compared to what it was when you and I were growing up, because you and I are both the same age. I don't know if it's like that, that sudden where overnight a band just explodes. No, I don't think so. I mean, we, we've had a lot of uh, bands that tour for a living that have been actually decimated by the whole COVID thing. Um, you know, bands like the sword and all the witches and, uh, you know, bands like that, that are filling up small halls and just now starting to do that, but they've been out on the road for 10 years and they've put, you know, six records out in five years, you know, I mean, that's how you gain an audience now in a rock and roll band. If you care about the music, you know, there's no rock stardom, there's no riches, but you can make a decent living but you have to starve for a long time and be willing to do that for a long time. And I've, I've been telling a lot of people that it's not a glamorous life. It's a hard life. And, uh, the payoff is getting on stage and getting in the studio and making those records. So I, I tell people as much as possible, if you love rock and roll, there's tons of it out there. And if you find a band you love, make sure you check their website for tour dates when, whenever we can get back to doing that and, uh, buy their shirts, and buy their songs, do what you can, you know, because they need it and uh, they deserve it, you know, if they're out there grinding because it's it's a tough job, you know. I love All Them Witches in the sort. Both great bands. I love All Them Witches' new album that just came out uh, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, just good stuff. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so many great new bands out there. It's really hard to have a discussion when someone's adamant about new music sucks and the new band sucks and they're not the Led Zeppelin or the Stones or whatever. They're not supposed to be, right? They're not supposed to be a replacement of what you loved growing up or what you listened to. They're supposed to be their own thing. And I use this analogy a lot. It's like rooting for a sports team, right? If you're a Yankee fan or if you're a Cub fan or whatever, players move on. Players retire. They get traded. They sign elsewhere as free agents. You're still a fan of the team right? You're still a fan of the new young rookie that comes out and goes three for three and hitting the daylights out of the ball or striking everybody out. You're still a fan of that sports team. It's the same thing with rock and roll. You're still a fan of rock and roll just because another band has, is a legacy artist where, you know, you you know them instantaneously just by, you know, the first note of the song doesn't mean everything after that is crap or everything after the era that that band was in is crap. There's so many new bands out there. It's just crazy right now, and I love it. I love listening to the new stuff. You know, you said something interesting about these bands that are getting killed right now because of the pandemic. I had a conversation over the summer with Eddie Spaghetti from the Super Suckers, and he was pretty honest on the show. He's like, I don't know how much longer I can survive without playing live. And the fact of the matter is I haven't done anything in 20-plus years, so what am I qualified to do? So right. it's a pretty scary moment for guys like Eddie that have been in the game for a long time and playing the small club circuits for a while and rely on festivals and rely on constantly touring to bring in income to, you know, support their family. And that's just not happening. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. And the fact that 
we couldn't get legislation passed to help these clubs and theaters and these communities out is just an absolute bunch of bullshit. It's absolute crap. Yeah. I, I you know, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the government did it. They shut it all down so they should fix it. You know, there's, there's ramifications for it. I know that it's a pandemic, but at the same time, it's like, I think it could have been handled a little bit better than massive lockdowns. You know, I, I, I don't know the answer, but it, it's frustrating to see the bands and people that you love suffering on so many levels. And then the clubs too, you know, like you were, you know, like you just said, it's like the clubs are going to disappear. They might, they might never come back. You know, I mean, these smaller venues are really hurt. I mean, these big corporate venues, I think most of them are probably going to be okay, but, I mean, it's it, that's not where I reside. I don't know about you, but man, I go to small shows mostly. I go to big shows too, but not as often. You know, I want that twenty-five dollar ticket. I want that small room. I want to get up at the front of the stage and uh, have that band cut my damn head off. You know what I mean? I want that power and that, and that volume. I mean, I'm a musician myself, and I play these rooms as well. I don't know if it'll ever be the same. I mean, maybe it will be. I mean, who knows? I just we just had an interesting conversation with uh, Sean McVeigh from King Buffalo, um, and they're kind of you know one of those mid tier bands. But he was pretty, he was pretty, he was much more optimistic, and he had some good points. You know, he was like, "Well, maybe this will be a rock and roll renaissance next year because so many people, instead of touring, they're writing and recording." So it's, it's a high possibility that there's going to be a lot of new rock and roll music coming out and as starved and as passionate as the general rock and roll audience is, they are going to be out in full force because there's going to be bands on tour like never before. I just hope that there's enough stages in the country to host all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the big question, right? I do a lot of small shows too. You know, I love, uh, I think the biggest show I did last year was the rave out in Wisconsin. I did uh, the Ranketeers. I saw them. And the last okay. show I was at was this club in Chicago called the Bottom Lounge. I saw Big Wreck, Canadian band, which is just an incredible, incredible band. Very familiar. Yeah. But, no, it's it's a good question because I had Save Our Stages. I had uh, Jordan on from Save Our Sage, Stages uh, a couple months ago, and we were talking about the same exact thing. And there is no guarantee that these clubs are going to come back. You know, there's, there's just not. I read an article the other day about it's going to take about a year for it, this to all wash out and for clubs to come back. I don't know about that. I don't know if someone can really say that. I, I do like to think it's all about supply and demand. So when, right. you know, people want to go back out to shows and there's a treatment or there's a vaccine, people are more comfortable to go out and they start going to shows and then clubs start coming back. I think that's the only way that it happens. And I think it's ripe for that too. I think, you know, when you have angst and you have a little bit of anger, rock and roll thrives and survives. And I think that's all kind of building up in the stew right now. Whereas, you know, I don't know if pop music and in, in hip hop are going to be able to connect with that young fan or, or people that want to get out and, and just, Man, just you know, have that angst and anger about him. Go see a rock and roll show. I don't. I think it's great for rock and roll. Out of something bad, something good always happens. But there's still right. so much unknown that you just don't know how to predict it. 
it, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say, but I think human beings are human beings and, <laughs> and rock and roll is all about rebellious human beings on some, some level. And, you know, I've, I've had talks with fellow musician friends and, you know, fellow artist friends, and it might get down to the point where these rock and roll rebellion rebels will probably start throwing their own shows, even if it has to be in a cornfield somewhere on a flatbed truck with generators, um, you know, in the summertime or whenever, maybe house shows, it, it will survive and it will carry on in one way or the other. If it has to be in the speak easy mentality, eventually <laughs> it's, it's still going to go on. People are going to do what they want to do eventually. I don't think this is going to last forever, you know? Um, and that's what it's all about in, in, in the spirit of rock and roll, man. I mean, whether, who knows, you know, we can debate all day about how far COVID is really going to go, but I, you know, rock and roll music is, is, you know, as David Gilmore has said, it's, it's a young man's game and, you know, and ladies game and they're going to go out and they're going to, they're going to express themselves one way or the other. And, you know, I think it's going to, it'll, it'll, it'll it's going to continue in some fashion, what it's going to look like, who knows, you know? Yeah. But I, I think Sean, from King Buffalo had a good point, you know, and it kind of raised my spirits a little bit. Cause I've thought about that too. And it's like, this might be a good thing at the end of the day. I mean, it doesn't seem like it now, but let's just hope that it, it is. And hopefully it sparks a lot of creativity and a lot of hunger to get out and experience the world after being shut in for so long, you know? I do think that's, you know, likely to happen because I know I'm, just chomping at the bit to go back to a rock and roll show, you know, go back to a concert, go see, you know, a triple bill at a small club. And it's been missing in my life since last November. And it's just, you know, it's a bummer. And I think I can't wait to get out there. You know, the other big thing right. that's, that's happening in this pandemic is the vultures are out. Right. And you're, I, I read an article about how these streaming platforms are making more money than ever right now. And right. the publisher, the singer, the songwriter isn't, is not making anything unless you're a big fish, right? Unless you're, you know, the, the, the cold plays or, you know, the Beyonce's or whoever you are. Yeah. You're going to make your money, but it's like almost like it's getting packed in even more to be even more irrelevant. It's going to be so much harder. I read an article today in music business world, about how record companies are going to start paying these platforms to screw with the algorithms and have influence on the algorithms. So if they want to promote a band that's coming out with a new album and they've got other people on their roster, they're going to pay these platforms to, you know, when you're listening to the music recommended, it's going to be they're paying for the recommendations, which is such bullshit. Right. I mean, it's like, how much more can you take? It's that's, that's not, that's nothing new. You know, they were doing that shit in the seventies with payola and all that stuff. The radio stations were doing it. And the record companies were doing it. It just seems, it just seems like the same old story, man. I mean, it's just, you know, these, these major companies have been screwing over the artists since the beginning of time. You know, <laughs> and I think it's, it's more important than ever for artists 
to be business minded as terrible as it might feel to them, because I know a lot of artists don't have that in them, but you've got to learn it and you've got to protect yourself and do the right thing. Just don't sign a damn contract to get famous. And if that's your mindset, then you're going to get what you deserve. You know, um, don't make music to get famous. I mean, people shouldn't make music to make money, especially rock and roll. I mean, there are rock and roll bands out there doing it correctly, you know, and making money and saving their legacy and keeping control over that, you know, and I can name a couple bands that clutch is one of those bands. I mean, an amazing success story. Uh, the rival sons is another one who have done the right thing. They've done the hard thing, you know, by keeping all of their publishing and all of their, you know, masters, they own all of that stuff. And now they're signed to Atlantic records and they're probably getting some checks, man. You know, you just got to have patience. I think any artist that wants to make a living has to work hard. Like we were saying before, and, uh, that separates the men from the boys, you know, and, and that's just kind of how it's always been. And it needs to probably stay that way. You work for it and it will come, but you know, you got to do it for the love of it first. Absolutely. When I talk about these companies, these platforms like Spotify and Apple and you name it, it's, it's kind of all similar in what they're doing. And I guess the question I have is, is rock music or is the music industry in general becoming a tech industry where it's driven by innovation and tech rather than driven by the music? It's an interesting question. I think it, well, then, but then there's the vinyl resurgence too. So there's that. Yeah, but, you know, that's, so all, that kinda, but, yeah, but that's more kind of like, you know, the fan that wants to come out and have like a collectible or an experience. Right. But I mean, I mean every day for a young 15 year old kid to go on his phone and hit a platform that he streams music and pay that reoccurring revenue and have all these innovations with what's going on, how you absorb music now. Right. I mean, even though vinyl has seen a resurgence, it's still, you know, the majority is all click, you know, point or point click download. Right. It is. Yes. Right. So yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So is it is it being driven by tech in terms of what's being popular, what has better access or easier access, what's easier to absorb or how they absorb? You know, you know, you used to be able to have the physical component, like you just mentioned, the vinyl and CDs and cassettes, right. where you can hold a tangible piece of art. And you can read the liner notes, you can read the lyrics, you can appreciate the cover art, you can look what the band looks like, all that stuff. That was an experience. That's gone for the for the yeah. majority, right? So right. what's driving all this? I mean, when you look at rock and roll, rock and roll has always kind of been late to the game with innovation and keeping up with what everybody else is doing because part of it's the stubbornness of rock and roll. But Right. Is is it now being led by tech companies? I mean, the CEO of Spotify is going to put, you know, 30% of his worth into upstart tech companies. So where is this all going? Yeah, it's hard it's hard to say. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's easy to get it's easy to get a little negative about it because you know me and you we come from a different era, you know, a lot of our peers do. I said there there is some positivity in it, I guess, in that you have 
exposure like you never had before without the internet we me and you would number one we wouldn't even be talking right now we wouldn't have a platform um and we wouldn't be talking about all this new great rock and roll because we wouldn't know it was out there so that that's the good part of the tech side and then there's the the we'll call it evil but the negative part of the the tech side which is the streaming and the artists not getting paid I'm just trying to stay as objective as I can, kind of in the middle of the road, being in the business. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's good and bad to it. I guess we need to try and find the good, you know. I, mean, I hate to sound corny, but it's like that that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. I mean, um, I again, I have to go back. It's just up to the artist and, and what they want. They want. If you want a fan base, then you have to care because your fan base will care if you care. And so, you may, I mean, in terms of rock and roll, it's like, I think all the, the bands that we love and all these bands that we've just mentioned, they're doing both, you know, they're doing the tech stuff. They're, you know, they're doing the streams and they're doing the, the YouTube channels and they're doing more video content and they're releasing their stuff differently. And I noticed you had uh, Chris from the cold stairs on, He's, you know, we've had him on our podcast and, that's a band that is kind of doing that, you know, they're kind of in our generation as well, but they're, they're changing and learning with the times and they're not releasing like traditional albums right away. They're releasing singles. And then they, after all the singles are released and they put it out on an album format. I think that's really smart and kind of innovative. You know, they're just changing with the times. They're having constant content with new singles every month. And then they put out the physical format when all those singles are, are out already. And so that kind of caters to both. So I think that's what people need. People need to adapt and change and, and rock bands need to do the same. And there's ways of doing it. Um, and, you know, we'll see again, you know, but uh, there's, you know, you just got to keep an open mind. I think, you know, Chris has got a great story, you know, from the Colts there. It's just a incredible story of perseverance and, and fighting through to, to be able to do what he wants to do and make, make music. Yeah. And he, he loves it too, man. And Chris and Brian, they're great dudes. I've, we've, we've done, I mean, I've met him face to face. We've, my band's played with them and uh, we, we maintain a rapport. We're, we're, we're friends, you know, so they've been on our podcast a couple, two or three times now and they, they get it, you know, they're great. They're talented. And they want to work hard. And they understand it, you know, and they, they're making music from the heart. And I think that's where it needs to be rooted in, you know, so and everything else good will come after that. And that, that's the root of all good art. Any good rock and roll band, I can't say they didn't do it to be famous, but I mean, a, a lot of them just made the art and they became famous. So it's a great conversation, you know, um, yeah, I mean, who knows what what's going to happen, but maybe there's going to be some good to come up. We'll see. I think so. I think out of bad, something good always happens. I had a interesting conversation with Joyous Wolf, the guitar player from Joyous Wolf, and one of these upcoming bands are from Long Beach. Great, great sound, great band. They opened up for Deep Purple last summer, and just a really interesting new new rock band. And we were talking about the state of rock and roll, and is he concerned? about rock and roll's relevancy and he goes absolutely not if we continue to make good music all that's all we need to worry about we can't determine what happens outside of what we do 
All we can do is continue to make good music and people will find it. And I thought that was very interesting for a young musician to have that perspective. Yeah, they probably have an old, grizzled, pissed off rock and roller <laughs> that looks like a wizard working in a garage near them in some capacity. And they're saying that same thing, you know, or they're, they're a passionate fan of it. And they're kind of, they're tailoring their career to that feeling of being a fan, you know, and why you're a fan of it. I'm just guessing, but I mean, I just can take my own experience and kind of apply it to that. But that's the, that's some old wisdom there, you know, and uh, that's good to hear. What's the name of that band again? Joyous Wolf. Joyous Wolf. Yeah. I'll have to check them out for sure, man. They yeah. Rad. And you know, if Deep Purple signed off, then you know that they're probably the real deal. Yeah. I think you know, you'll enjoy the, them. They said they did the same thing with Rival Sons, though, and on tour with those guys, too. Yeah, I'm a huge Rival Sons fan. Clutch, you know, if you listen to our podcast, we're always ranting and raving about those bands. All Them Witches has been the one that we've been on top of lately. You know, Robbie Stabler was on our podcast. And again, man, just hard worker, amazing artist, and does it for the right reasons, you know. You know, when I think about a lot of conversations that I've had, you know, we always talk about how the classic rock band has turned their back or the majority of the classic rock bands have turned their back on new music. I think you and I are different, you know, where we, you know, we look for new music. We always look for something that's fresh and exciting, but a lot of, you know, a lot of people we grew up with, they like their same half dozen bands and their same 20 songs or their popular songs or whatever bands. And I agree to an extent, but I also believe, too, that rock and roll is not made for the classic rock fan. Like, you know, you build to that, you know, eventually, right? You, you get off the ship eventually. Most people do. And you become comfortable with what you like and what you want to listen to. But really, rock and roll is a young man's game. And it's for right. the youth. It's for the, you know, connecting with the younger people. Because just like you and me, when you become a fan of a band at 13, 14, 15, 16 you become a fan for life and you become a rock and roll fan for life. So, you know, when people talk about all, you know, the rock, the classic rock fan, we're not in a demographic that new bands need to be concerned with. And when I think back of my parents, my parents didn't, my parents like rock music, but they didn't like, you know, the Motley Crue's and Kiss and all those bands I grew up with. They were like the Beatles and they liked Chuck Berry and they liked all that stuff similar to what's going on now. So I don't think, that's the issue. I think the issue is connecting with young people, and young people have so many distractions now, so many things pulling them right. in different directions that it's really hard to keep their attention. I th- yeah, they, they, there is an element of that. I mean, but I don't know, man. I mean, I saw Slayer a couple summers ago on their one of their their super long farewell tour, and it was it was a mixed bag. I mean, it was a lot of young, young kids in the mosh pit. And then there was old grizzled fuckers like me and you. And we're like, you know, we're going to stay over here. And uh, you do that over there, figure it out. And, uh, you know, it was, (laughs) it was just a timeless culture, you know? Yeah. And, uh, especially heavy metal. And I, I, I think, I think the audience, I mean, my whole experience of going to those older show, older band shows, I mean, when I, I saw Neil Young in 93, and there was a division a little bit, but I mean, it was old and young people, 
they were all there together and you know and then slayer a couple of years ago it was the same same kind of way so i mean i see a lot of young kids you know what they're listening to now you know because i work with some younger kids and they're you know their classic rock are the grunge band so they're latching on to Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. Like, like me and you were latching on to Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin in the early 90s, you know. And it, that's a trip to see Nirvana. I see a lot of young kids listening to that stuff and really passionate about it. And it reminds me of me when that shit came out. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I mean, uh, you know, hey, you know, they, they need their classic rock too. And their classic rock is our, is our, is our stuff. And I hate to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also think, and I've said this numerous times on the podcast, that with the youth of today, the movie The Dirt had a huge impact on bringing back that danger and that element of just partying and having a good time. Because, you know, I talked to my son, he's 15, and him and all his friends have all seen The Dirt. And I do, you know, I've mentioned the article on Forbes several times on this show about how prior to that movie, the demographic for buying merch from Motley Crue was 35 and over. And then after that movie, wow. it was 30 and under, you know. So, yeah. so that had a huge impact on, you know, bringing some of that back into the, you know, the forefront and back into relevancy. And I do think it's helped younger people be more interested in rock music. You know, I mean, I think... I think a lot of great things were going to happen in 2020. However, as we know, shit happens and a lot of bad right. stuff happened and it's been put right. on pause, you know, and, and I guess that's the best way to explain it. But, you know, we mentioned coming out of this is the big unknown, right? Is what's going to happen with music? What's going to happen with rock? What have you, know, because you have a lot of contact with a lot of people in the industry and in music, what do you think is going to be the norm when this is all over? The norm. I mean, I'm in just as much in the dark as you are. I mean, I can imagine and we think about it a lot and we talk about it a lot. Um, what the norm is going to be, man. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, hopefully the, no hopefully out of all this and, you know, it can be just a life thing more than, than a, going to a concert thing. But it's like, get, maybe people, they're, they're going to be Netflix and chilled to death, you know, because everyone's in their house streaming shit all the time. Once the, you know, if the powers that be do indeed let us become normal again, um, maybe the people will have more of an appreciation for the tangible world. And I can only hope that they do meaning go out and experience life outside of the four walls of your home or your bedroom or your Netflix or your iPod or your, or not iPod, but you know, your, your iPad or, or whatever it is, put your phone down and get out into the world. You know, I hope, that there's a renaissance of that because I think that's what humanity needs the most. And that ties into rock and roll and going to concerts and stuff. Go out and see live music because there's nothing like it on earth and there's no better medicine on earth either. You know, and I think you could agree with that too. As far as, you know, maybe on a spiritual level, I hate to get again corny, but it, you know, music is, is big in my world. It always has been. It's been my, it's my oldest friend and my most consistent friend. So, I speak about it in, in big terms that way. It's important, you know, so 
um, hopefully, you know, that is what will happen, but we'll, you know, that remains to be seen, but, uh, I, I'm hopeful that it will be. You talked about the rival sons earlier about how you know, they own other publishing. They got the record deal before feral roots with Atlantic records. I always kind of laugh when someone says, Oh, there's this great new band called rival sons. And, yeah. you know, it's like, well, they've been around for probably 10 to 12 years. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the look, on, I think. Yeah, the look on people's face is like, how come I haven't heard about them? And it goes back to that being in that bubble when you get comfortable with listening to, you know, the same bands over and over again. It's kind of like, you know, as you get older, your circle of friends becomes smaller and your music is like your friends. So when you you know, have that, you know, the mentality and you all of a sudden hear this band Rival Sons that has so many great elements of Zeppelin and Sabbath and Deep Purple. It's just like, you're like, wow, this band is great. They got a great singer and they got a really cool sound. Is there, is there a way to break away from that? You know, I mean, another band I think of too that has been around for a while is Blackberry Smoke. And, you know, they have, they have a very similar trajectory as Rival Sons does, you know, with their popularity. Right. And it's always, right. you know, I mean, are we going to wait? You know, I mentioned Joyous Wolf and, you know, South of Eden, you and I have talked about, you know, and there's other great, you know, great bands too as well that you've mentioned. Is that going to be the norm where it's going to take 10 years, you know, half a dozen albums, five, six albums for, for people, for bands to break through to get people interested? Well, I hope so. <laughs> and that might, that might sound strange, but I'm sick of, you know, the one hit wonders that get it all immediately. You know, it's like the rival sons are so good because they went out and grinded and got better at their craft and worked harder. You're never, you never arrive. So the more bands that do six albums before they get popular, in my opinion, is the better. And it's, it's better for the fan too, because I'm, I, I started listening to rival sons in 2013. They had already been out for a few years and I had all these albums to go back and revisit. And I, I, I was an instant fan. I mean, uh, I, I heard them, I, I heard them on a Friday and I owned their four albums that they had back then by Sunday and I was into it. So, as a fan, it's it's best for the fan. It's best for the band too because they appreciate it more when they when they work hard for it, you know. So I mean, that's a, a lot of the bands I listen to do that same hustle. I mean, I can rattle off a few now. I mean, you mentioned Blackberry Smoke, you know, the same thing. Rival Sons, uh, you know, there's a band called Graveyard. They're from Sweden. They're kind of the same deal. They're kind of like Janis Joplin meets. Led Zeppelin. There's a band called Blues Pills. They're all doing the same hustle, man. Uh, it's uh, I, I and you know that's just my philosophy. I think the more bands that don't get it right away and get it in seven or eight years, it's better for everyone. You know, I love that experience too. When you discover a band that's have you know that had a catalog already, there has a catalog already, and you can go back and you you know it's like you've got all this music of this great new band that you just discovered and you can get lost for weeks and just listening to them. It's just a great experience. Yeah. It's, it's the best man. I mean, discovering a band at one album, you know, it's like, 
shit. This is all I have. You're going to listen to it to death and get sick of it, you know? So, you know, get it, to be able to bounce back and forth between albums, is, it's heaven, you know? <laughs> uh, we can all agree on that, I think. I saw uh, Rival Sons for the first time, gosh, four or five years ago. It was at the House of Blues in Chicago, and I was a, kind of a casual fan of theirs. I knew a few of their songs, and my buddy's like, hey, I got an extra ticket. You want to go? And I was like, sure, and I was blown away. Like, just yeah. Jay Buchanan just absolutely needed it. The whole band was phenomenal. Um, and I've every time they come to Chicago, I got to go see them. Yeah, I've seen them a few times now. We saw them at the Grog Shop in Cleveland the first time. A couple years ago, they were touring with Black Sabbath at the time, so... Yeah, that was the first time I saw them, and they played for almost three hours. You know, they didn't give a shit. And I was like, yeah, I'm in, man. I'm in forever. And it's a, Yeah, it's uh, a band that keeps evolving, too, right? I mean, like, if you listen to their early stuff to now, you know, they're experimenting with a lot of different sounds and tones, and I think that's really cool, and I think I, a lot more bands need to do that. Absolutely. I mean... If we don't, I mean, any band, you can tell when you listen to a band and they're, they're listening to the fucking producer. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> it's like, no, it, it's all about cadence and recording and how you do it and capturing the performance. And yeah, they got to experiment, man. I mean, that's, that's what rock and roll is. There, there's a lot of bands and we can go back to radio. There's a lot of bands that are on the radio and they're all boxed in, you know, everything sounds the the same you know the drums sound the same there's no character there's no nuance in the recording it's it's picture perfect on a grid and i'm just that that doesn't interest me as a rock band at all i think a lot of people will agree with that it's like what i need is i need a band in a room that's putting mics on the drums and either everyone's playing in the room together or they're you know all playing separately but recording real time and not messing with it too much. I mean, that's what I need as a fan, you know, and I, and I can, I can recognize the difference right away. So it, it, that, all that stuff is super important. That, I might be, I might start getting nerdy about it, I guess, but Hey, it's what I care about. I think that's what a lot of rock and roll fans care about. You know, again, it just goes back to doing it for the right reasons and it shows. You know, well, it's great to hear day. something organic, right? That's, that's kind of, you know, starts out at, you know, the bass and, or I'm not, I mean the instrument, but the base of, of what they're doing and create and become organic and natural and develop that way. I mean, that's, that's such a cool feeling, you know, when you can hear that on an album that, you know, yeah. there, there, there's so much synergy and they're playing and there's also rawness to it too. I mean, I think of Tyler Bryan's new album pressure, which, you know, he recorded that in the basement of his house with, with his bandmates, you know, and, you know, they were in lockdown and they were just like, all right, let's just make a record, you know, and they were using like, yeah, you know, vintage equipment and just getting it done. And you can hear that. And I love when you hear that. I love it when you hear the blood, sweat and tears in a song and on a record. Yeah. I mean, all those old records, you know, any, you name them. I mean, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, none of those records were performed, executed perfectly. You know, they all have human nuance and they all have, that basement feel and they're classic. I mean, and I'm familiar with Tyler, Tyler Bryan. I had their last album. I have to check that out. They're probably, they're doing it right. You know, they're going with a gut feeling and they're just, let's go in and just record the damn thing and have somebody mix and master it and just put it out as is. It doesn't have to be perfect, nor should it be, you know, 
And I think, and hey, we're getting back to this, that same point of the conversation. It's like, here comes the renaissance. Let's keep our fingers crossed, you know. Not everybody's Rush, right? I mean, I, I love Rush, but not everyone's going to sound like that and have that perfection, you know, in their music, right. in their song. And I've always felt, too, that, you know, the mistakes are so rock and roll. You know, Jimmy Page, everyone talks about his sloppiness when he played live. That's rock and roll. I mean, that embodies the spirit of it. Which, right. you know, is trying to find the note and he might play a couple notes before he finds it, you know, and a little bit of slop. But I've never minded the sloppiness of Jimmy Page. I've always felt it was part of his playing and why I love him so much. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we can go on about Jimmy Page forever, but he had an amazing rhythm section to allow him to do that, you know. And he even did that with the Black Crows, you know. I mean, it's just how he plays. And uh, that's just how it is. And, you know, they, they don't – here's the thing, the most important thing, and this is what I tell people all the time. It's like we can talk about the singular player in a band, and, you know, they're amazing. They're wizards, right? But, I mean, it gets down to songs. And Jimmy Page is a songwriter. Eh, I don't – I have never met anybody that that can – has any merit in, rip, you know, ripping on his guitar playing. It's like, well, who are you? And <laughs> – what songs have you written? You know, because I'll go right back to the songs. Like the dude's written plenty of songs. So at the end of the day, that's why we're all there anyway. But I, you know, it, it, it should be recorded properly, but you know, in a heartfelt manner. And uh, that's what it's all about really at the end of the day. And I do believe, you know, a lot of people want to call a lot of these new bands, whether it's Greta Van Fleet or Dirty Honey. Oh, they sound like Aerosmith. Oh, they sound like Zeppelin. I think they're still developing their sound, so I don't want to pass judgment on them. I mean, we just mentioned Rush, right. you know. I mean, Alex Lifeson has mentioned several times they were called the Canadian Led Zeppelin before Neil joined the band and changed their right. sound. So let it give bands a chance to develop and see what they can do before you, yeah. you know, piss all over them. Yeah, I mean, a perfect example of that is Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, they were like Pearl Jam ripoff, right? at first and then they just exploded into their own thing two or three albums later and you know now they're hit hit after hit and they're iconic now almost you know I'd call them you know it's 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 like that it's like yeah and that's another thing about going back to the six albums it's like yeah that's why you need to go do get in the van and starve to death and you know build your whole life around your art so you can develop you know that that's what matters the most I think that was another point I was trying to make that it's like yeah, keep writing and keep recording. Don't worry about being famous or making money. And uh, the art will come and the money will come later. You know, it just goes back to that original point. You know, it used to be where record companies had the patience to develop an artist. You know, everyone always used to talk right. about that third album. That third album was always where mm-hmm. if the band didn't have it by then, they were not going to have it. You know, but the record companies gave them that time to do that. And that went away. Right. I mean, bands, you know, a record label said, you know, if you don't you know, make it by the first single, we're going to shelve you. You know, it's just, that's it. And I think now where right. it's more, you know, do it yourself for a lot of these bands, I think it's great for them. You know, I mean, you know, everyone right. talks about the record, you know, the record deal or whatever. I don't know if I was in a yeah. band right now if I'd want a record label because a lot, it, it comes with a lot of, I don't know if you call it baggage, but maybe uh, probably pressure is probably, you know, the more accurate word that if you don't 
have a hit single on that first album, you're done. Whereas if you're doing it yourself, right. you're building your audience by yourself, which means they're right. going to be more loyal to you. And right. you, you, you can do what you want on a record. Now, granted, there always needs to be someone in the room telling them, yeah, that doesn't sound so good. You can always tell when a band doesn't have that guy in a room. But, right. um, but I think that's great where bands are more doing it themselves these days. I mean, yeah. Dirty Honey, I don't even think Dirty Honey, I think they're still considered an independent band. They don't even have a record deal yet. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe stay that way forever. You, you know, if, if that's what, that's what, if that's what it means. I mean, I read an article with, uh, we just had Dave, Dave Hillis on, uh, engineer for Rick Parashar. Um, and, uh, so we, you know, there's been a lot of sound garden talk in our, in our realm lately. I, I, I read an article with Chris Cornell, like back in like 1993 when they were doing or recording 94, 93, when they were recording on super unknown, he's like, yeah, it's the first time, like, we had a producer in there. I mean, they had Terry Day before, but they had Michael Beanhorn on for uh, Super Unknown. And it's like, we don't really listen to the producer, you know? They're kind of there just to be more the engineer. It's like, nobody knows how to make a Soundgarden record better than us, you know? And that was a great point. So he had that independent spirit, even with the major label behind him. And I think that's what made him so great. So, yeah, you know, they, maybe the bands will develop on their own. I mean, we're, we're all our own worst enemy with that. It's like, ah, too overcritical. And I think you're right. I think sometimes you need that extra guy that's not as close to the creative process where they can say, it's like, well, let's kind of maybe steer it in this direction. That, 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 that is important on a level, but I think you have to have the vision first. And, sure. and, and that's the most important part. You know, when a band gets done recording their music, you know, putting it out on all the platforms, they've got all these... YouTubes and Spotify's and iTunes and all that stuff. Is there too many platforms? Is it, is there too many where the fan like myself or you or whoever, you know, feels intimidated by, you know, all the things like, like, where do I find it? Well, you got to go here or you got to go here. You got to check them out here. And it's, I almost think like sometimes there's just too much of it out there. I, I agree. I mean, and, and you as a podcaster can definitely relate to that because yeah, right? there's too many <laughs> podcast platforms, you know, it's like, I just stick to like, we're, we're on all of them, but I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going to stick to like three to promote because that's where most of the people are. So it's like, but we're everywhere. So you go find it wherever you are. But yeah, I mean, I guess as a, I mean, the bands are the same, same struggle, you know, it's like, uh, well, you know, just pick the, probably the biggest ones and kind of, promote those as much as you can and then just kind of let it go it's going to do what it's going to do yeah it's just you know it's interesting that you know it's so music is so accessible these days and you know you mentioned in our conversation about how it's cool that you know you and i are speaking because years ago that never would have happened i almost right. feel like it's the same way with music too like you used to have your local rock scenes and those bands were you know only going to be the biggest in Cleveland or only going to be the biggest in Chicago. And very few were able to, you know, to, to get out and get a record deal, go to LA and, and, you know, make it famous. But we never would hear of those bands, right? If I was in Chicago, I would never know the top three or four rock bands in Cleveland and vice versa, which I think is so right. cool now is that you can, you can introduce yourself to fans all over the world, whether it's Europe, the UK, you know, 
California, New York, in terms of just being in America. I think that's so, so cool. But sometimes I think it's like overwhelming because now everyone is on the platform and what's good, what's not, what's your personal taste, what isn't. And, you know, what's what's these platforms that we just talked about before going to recommend to me based on my my listening history. So right. it's all wrapped in like that, but it's just, it's very cool how that now everything is so accessible. And I think that's a win-win for everybody. Granted, not everything is great in terms of the sound, but that stuff will filter it out, you know, eventually. Well, yeah, I think you're the filter, you know, it's like, well, I just don't like the sound of it. I mean, I mean, or I do, I love it a lot, but it, I mean, to me as a listener, it just comes down to the song. Like I can go back to, I've been on a King Buffalo trip lately. You should definitely check this band out. But um, uh, last month or so, I've been listening to the shit out. But I'm a new fan. And I found them on an Apple playlist. You know, I, I just had it on playing while I was doing my house chores or whatever. And I, they were, you know, one of their songs came on. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and it's based on my algorithm. And I was like, oh, cool. And I just started listening to them. So it worked. Um, so that's the good part of it. And it's like, you know, it's just, you know, that's, that's the best, that's the best part of that stuff. It's like, I would have never, I, you know, I've, I've heard their name for a long time. And this is the weird part is like, they've opened for bands that I've been listening to for years, like elder and the sword and, you know, all these bands and all them, witches. they're good friends with those guys. And, uh, you know, I just never listened to King Buffalo and going back to your point, it's like, I, there's so much out there. And I, I, I said this to Sean in the interview, I was like, Dude, I have no idea why I haven't been listening to you until now, but I think it's just because we're inundated with all of this data, and it's not just music. It's like all media and social media and all this stuff is just coming at us, and we're all so distracted. And, and then not to pick on the younger generation, because I think it's us too. It's just humans. We're just, they're just, ah, we're just too much data coming at us, and I don't think we're designed to, to filter all that. So that's the bad part, but I mean, at least I got to – check them out eventually you know <laughs> so yeah you have a, you have a point there it's uh it's interesting man it, we, we have we live in very interesting times that's for sure you know that's why i brought up before about how you know you mentioned data and how what, what really drives you know music right now and, and that's a big part of it and when i mentioned about is the music industry becoming a tech industry because of all the information, I mean, you know, whether we want to believe it or not, when we listen to Spotify or iTunes, all that info of how long we listened and, and what we listened to, where we listened to it, what time of day we listened to it, all goes into their algorithms, right? So, right. Are we are we being exposed to things based on our listening history, which is great, but there's is the natural organic element being taken away from us? And is there is it is there a, ever going to be a balance of that, where it's part algorithm, part organic? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's all the individual, and this is the scary part. It's like you have to work on yourself to understand what's going on around you in the world. So I'm, you know, I'm 43 again. So I like it's like well, I've come to know. I know myself, so I know what I like. And I'm not going to spend too much time on the bullshit, you know, it's like, ah, I either like this or I don't, I'm moving on. That could be good or bad. I could miss out on some stuff, but because, because there's so much stuff out there, you know what you like on some certain like organic level, like you're saying. So it's like, I, I, I only have so much time. So I have to allot my time correctly or I'm, I'm going to move on. 
So I, I think that's where everybody's kind of evolving. It's interesting, man. I mean, there's, I think it's just up to the individual on how they're going to navigate. Wait till we you start know, getting the app that allows us to stream our own music. Like we have our physical copies and we download it into this app and we kind of have our own, you know, our own music, yeah. you know, and that's coming. It used to be later, iTunes, dude. Right. It used to be iTunes. iTunes used to let you do that. It used to let you put your old CDs on. And that's, that's what I miss about iTunes is you could put all your CDs onto iTunes. And I have a ton of CDs from back in the day that aren't on iTunes or Apple music. And I can't listen to them anymore. I have a CD player, but I'm not going to hook it up. Yeah. Once they, you know? you know, once they figured out that they could be making money off of the music that you can't put on their, you know, their platform, they were like, uh, yeah, yeah this isn't going to happen anymore. So, right. Yeah. And that's the bummer of it. But I mean, someday I'll, you know, I've, I have two Sony 50 disc changers. Do you remember those things? Yeah, those are the beautiful. They're, they're, they're 25 years old. I have two of them. They, they both work. I just haven't set them up. I just, I put that away. I, I do stream music and then I listen to vinyl, man. That's what I do right now. It's just, other than that, it's just too damn much. Maybe when I'm like 60 years old, I'll pull out the old CD player. I'm going to keep my CDs in a box somewhere for a long, long time and see, just see what happens. You know, who knows? <laughs> Well, you've given me a couple bands to listen to: King Buffalo, Graveyard. Anything else you're listening to that you recommend? It's a band called Green Leaf from Sweden. They're amazing. I've been listening to them for about twelve years. They're not new, but they're they keep releasing amazing records. Um, yeah, like I said, King Buffalo, Graveyard. You're already down with all of them, witches. Uh, man. Try, just check those out. Yeah, you, you'll be uh, inundated for days. I mean, King Buffalo has very long songs, you know, long intros. Uh, but they're chill. They're real chill. They're, you know, but they rock, too. They have big riffs, but they're just, there's no nervous energy. It's just all about the jam and the song and a lot of hooks, you know, very good shit. I mean, yeah, let me know. Let me hear back from you in a week or so. See what, <laughs> see what you feel like. But it, it's not an instant listen. You got to kind of dig into it and just put it on the background and 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 just enjoy what you're doing, you know. And you, you, you'll probably latch on right away. Yeah, I, I, we talked about Joyous Wolf. We talked about South of Eden. Check those guys out. Also, check out Massive Wagons from the UK, which is a really Massive great band. Wagons. Yeah, we'll yeah. do. Okay, I'm writing all this down. I will check them out. And sure. One Thousand Mods from Greece, which is a really good band. Thunder Mother. I think is 1,000 Mods. They're kind of like a stoner rock band. Right? Yes, yes. Yep, I heard one song, and I can't remember the name of it. I just heard it the other day. It's on my list, dude. It was, it's on my playlist. So, yeah, check out them. <laughs> check out check out Thunder Mother. Check out – God, I'm going I'm to forget some bands, but um, Thunder Mother, I think, is from Sweden. And okay. it's an all-female band. They absolutely jam. Right on. And uh, one more for good measure. Check out. Oh crap! I'm drawing a complete blank now. <laughs> um, check out. Uh, you like the cold stairs? Um, you know, check out uh, Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. Nick Perry. Yeah. Like used to be Perry? The, used to be the guitar player for Silvertide. Okay, I'll check him out. Oh, the Devil in the Almighty Blues. Check them out, dude. They're dark. 
Cool. I'm going through my list now. I got to give you some. Hold on. I got to get it. Give you some more here. The Devil and the Almighty Blues. You're down with Elder, right? Yeah. Okay, they're awesome. That that last the Gold Silver session is great. Check Graveyard. Out, I give you check out Lichinga. If you're into like bluesy howling wolf kind of rock and roll, there's a band called Handsome Jack out of Buffalo, New York. Very, very good. Check out Lachinga from Vancouver. Lachinga, they also sound familiar. They're kind of like Thousand Mods. I just put a song on my playlist the other day. Damn, I can't. Yeah, Lachinga, kind of that sort of rock genre, subgenre as well. Yeah, we're. We're pretty deeply immersed in, in stoner rock, and you know that's the, the it just captures the original spirit of you know the classic rock stuff. You know, good shit. There's one really, um, Bill Fisher. He used to be in oh god, what was the name of the band? Um, damn it, it's uh, they used to be the the, the song you should check out is Celador by Bill Fisher and he used to be in a band it's kind of like that stoner rock kind of stuff but what was the name of them they were called uh, uh, they were like this really odd Lucifer is another good band check Lucifer out they're really good um, oh yeah I've heard Lucifer I'll check them out again the though they have a lot of stuff oh yeah uh, Church of the Cosmic Skull Bill Fisher used to be I've heard of them yeah, he's got a solo album. Okay. So. Okay, I got him down here. Oh, have you heard the record company? Yes, they open up for Blackberry Smoke. They're phenomenal. They're fucking great, man. I've been into them hardcore lately. They're doing a new album right now. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of good music next year. We are. We are. Next check, year check out Ida May. Ida May. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's one of their songs. Yeah, I have all their stuff. No, yeah. no, Ida May is a, two, is, Ida May is a two-piece band of a husband and wife. They're from the U.K. Oh, yes. Via, via uh, Nashville. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got confused there. No, they have a song, something like that, in one of their songs. They just released a, a B-Sides record, and I think it's Rita May Young is the song from okay. the record company. That's what I was getting confused. We could do this all day. The Magpie Salute, dude. Have oh, you listened to the yeah, Magpie Salute? Yeah, that's uh, Rich uh, Robinson's band. These, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I had Joe on the podcast, uh, Magistro, Rich's drummer, a few years ago on one of Rich's solo tours. Have you checked out Rich's solo stuff, dude? It's I have fucking not. great. Is it really? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, great shit. He has an album called, uh, I love them all, but um, probably it's my favorite solo album from him is uh, it's called Through a Crooked Sun. It's pretty mellow, but it's it's really fucking good, dude. Check that shit out. Have and you, Joe Magistro is his, his drummer in the Magpie Salute and all his solo stuff. So, yeah, he was fucking great. Have you checked out Kotzen's uh, 50 for 50? What's it, what's it called? Richie Kotzen, the guitar player. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he in Poison? Yeah, twenty five years ago, but don't judge yeah. it. Don't judge him on that. Don't judge him on that. <laughs> Listen to his solo. He's, yeah, also, he's also in Winery Dogs too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But the fifty for fifty. He's got fifty songs on the album. Jeez, it's, it's damn. That's excessive, sir. Yeah, but you could get lost in that, and you'll be a happy man. 
Right on, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll, I will check all this stuff out. Yeah, we could do this all night. But, no, I appreciate oh, yeah. uh, you coming on. It was a great conversation. I love doing it. we got to do it again sometime. Let, let's do it. Let's do it often. Let's check in every couple months, and we'll get. Uh, if you want to get on our podcast? We'll just do the same thing. We're we're much more. You know, we're very conversational. You have a, you have a lot of good questions, man. We'll have to we'll have to get some questions for you. Maybe some some subject matter prep for you. But we should have you on in a in a couple weeks. Okay. All right. Good. Once again, everybody, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'd like to thank Bo from Rock Savages. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you doing this. No problem, man. We will be you talking. Can, uh, you can you can find the Rock Savages podcast on rocksavagepod.com. Yeah, you can find them everywhere on all podcast platforms. If you're a music lover, you will definitely enjoy the show. Just great conversations over there. Hope everyone's doing well tonight. Take care. It's the election night. There will be a result sooner or later. And yes. who knows what's going to happen. But take care. We'll talk again soon, everybody. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm a soldier. I'm in the trenches. Fighting every day to succeed. I can feel the blood rushing through It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.